Welcome to the Garden Wise Show with Colorado's most knowledgeable and entertaining garden experts, the Garden Wise Guys, Keith Funk and Jim Borland. Get ready for gardening tips that you can use right now. New plants, hot products, and the latest from horticultural science. The lines are open, so call into the Legend Studio now. 303-477-2473. 303-477-2473. On the air since 1994, the Garden Wise Guys have the answers to your questions about gardening in the high-altitude desert of the Colorado Front Range. And now, here are your hosts, the Garden Wise Guys. Good morning, everybody. It is time once again for the Garden Wise Show here on Legends 810 with your very favorite Garden Wise guys. One of which is me, Jim Borland, and one of which is not me. That's Keith Funk. Hello. Good morning. What's up? Hi. Cold. Boy, it's bitter cold out there this morning. Folks, uh, stay home until it warms up today. I hope the sun comes out. That'll that'll cure a lot of things right there. Supposed to be in the 50s by Sunday tomorrow. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. And in case you are going out, your side, the, the worst road on the way in this morning <clears throat> was the road in front of my house. Mine too. Once we got to the, all the major arterials, arterials. Veins. <laughs> yeah, those, the veins. <laughs> they're, they're mostly dry, but I would still be careful, you know, over bridges and overpasses and that sort of thing. Yeah, I slid right know. through a stop sign this morning. Thank goodness it was... Oh, he's 610. You slid through it? I slid through it. <laughs> right through it. Yeah. I, 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 Nobody was on the road where I was, so. Yeah. I tentatively approached the stop sign at the end of our street. Mm-hmm. And I was okay. And then peeled out and slid. And <laughs> <laughs> but there's no traffic anyway. I've never seen you peel out. Yeah. Laying rubber, as I used to say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and breaking traction. That's what the cops used to call it. Really? It was an illegal thing to do. Breaking traction. I've never heard that (laughs) before. (laughs) Is that a Pennsylvania thing? Well, it was in Pennsylvania, yeah. The cops would pull you over. I don't know if there was actual law against it, but, you know, cops didn't like that. So so that means you're a crazy driver. Hmm. Laying rubber, as they say. (laughs) Cars can't do that anymore. No. (laughs) For the most part. Maybe some of the Teslas could. Because they can get up to 60 miles an hour pretty doggone quick. Yeah. Some electric engines. You have to have a standard. A yeah, sta- that helps. That helps. Yeah. But even <clears throat> even in, even in a uh, <clears throat> automatic, you can still do it if you know how to do it. But I don't. And in fact, I don't have an automatic, so no big deal. Hey, I saw <clears throat> an interesting picture on our Facebook page. Of? Of yuccas. That you yes, posted. I found out through Facebook. I don't remember how that happened. Probably answering a question for somebody else, which which caused someone else then to ask me a question, and I posted a picture, and uh, you know it went on from there. But anyway, this uh, fellow has a front yard full of yuccas, biggins. Yeah, biggins. I'm talking like ten feet tall or more. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a lot of them, and I posted pictures of it. Did you go see it in person? I, I did. I did. You think I did it aerially? Well, you said you found it through Facebook, so I thought. Yeah, well. I did, <clears throat> and 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 messaged the man, mm-hmm. and um, and he messaged me back pictures. Uh, Planet Planet Yaka is the Facebook page that he posts his stuff on. Okay. So I went there and saw a bunch of pictures, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, remarkable. 
I mean, he's back, and I, mm, I'm going to say, hard to say what what the age of the of the uh, of the neighborhood is. Lot, lots of cul-de-sacs. Okay, <laughs> that explains. Okay, it. okay. <laughs> and he's at the at the corner of a cul-de-sac, and everybody else has normal landscapes. Sure, except him. It sticks out. <laughs> That's right. Well, yeah, that uh, if you want to see some, I I would not have expected to see that in Colorado anywhere, really, unless yeah. you got down the way south, Colorado. But uh, those yeah, were, these are mostly yucca rostratas. Are they really? Yes, <clears throat> as far as I can tell. I didn't get to meet him. He, he works, and I'll, we'll probably make arrangements to, to meet sometime and find out what his story is. But these are mostly dug yuccas from New Mexico. Uh-huh. And I don't know what that arrangement is, but someone questioned about whether or not what that was legal and. And to make a long story short, his explanation was that these would have been bulldozed anyway. I gotcha. So it was probably some rancher somewhere that, you know, ranchers don't like yuccas. No. Jeepers. Can't eat them. I can't imagine you can dig a big established yucca successfully. That seems odd. Apparently you can. And they reroute. I didn't think they had that kind of a root system. Um, but I didn't what think do so I know? either. But yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> there you go. They, they look like they were living. Yeah. They'd been in many of them been in the ground for some time. He he's got a bunch of them in pots ready to plant more above ground yep. in the winter. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm sure everybody out there knows our feelings about trees, shrubs, perennials above ground in containers for the winter. For the winter, not a and good ha- idea. How that's kind of risky. <coughs> I was, yep. and and you you've always said that th- there really isn't any research out there no. to help us figure out. No. Which plants would be most accommodating for that? Um, I did run across something that said that if you're going to do that, you want to choose plants that are at least one zone more cold hardy than the zone you're in. Now, I don't know that there was any scientific fact behind that. Mm, probably not. I did at one time put together a, a list of plants for which <coughs> the root hardiness is known, it has been tested. Uh, quite an extensive list, and there wasn't a single plant on that list that anybody around here grows. Oh, is that right? Yeah. <clears throat> so this research was done in Europe and done in China and uh, Japan and other places. And there's you know some weird stuff on there that yeah. we don't we don't grow here. Um, but I did find out that the the root hardiness of well, vast majority of plants is somewhere between twenty and twenty five degrees above zero. Mm-hmm. And today that means. They're toast, <laughs> okay, because <laughs> it's only 22 degrees right now. Yeah. <clears throat> now, there are exceptions. We know that there are exceptions, but we don't know what they are. Well, I was looking. I thought, well, <clears throat> you know, permafrost has been cold for a long time, yep. and it's been exposed to extremely low temperatures above ground. Above ground. And does that translate down into the ground? I've never seen numbers, I'm sure it's known, what the temperature is of permafrost. Uh, it depends on how deep you go. Yeah. The deeper you go, the colder it gets. Yeah. Which surprised me because I figured the coldest temperatures would be up near the surface. But no. The surface actually uh, thaws in the summertime. Right. But I mean during the winter when it's really, really cold, you would think that that surface ice, so to speak, or permafrost, would be yep. colder than down deep because of the thermal mass of the Earth. Well, it's frozen down deep, so you're not, you don't have any roots into that. True. So, But I'm just trying to translate that to an above-ground pot. 
Now, f- permafrost that has been exposed to temperature, cold temperatures for centuries, mm-hmm. even when you get down to 24 feet deep, yeah. it's still about 28 degrees. Because it'll be frozen, yeah. So, which, which makes it a problem for digging for gold. <laughs> Do you watch that program on TV? <coughs> Yukon Gold, I think it is. Oh, yeah, there's a couple characters. of different ones, yeah. And every now and again, those guys run into permafrost. Yeah, yeah. And they can't get through it, mm-hmm. even with their big machines. This stuff is not only cold, it is hard. Well, so, Mike, I guess my point was, <coughs> if you've got a pot above ground, especially a large pot, and it's well watered and full of moisture yeah. and frozen, yeah. what's to keep it from getting colder than permafrost? Well, it can get. Well, I, I, I suspect it could get that cold. It depends on what the air temperature is. Yeah. Now, we have to think that freezing only means that the water could, could be no colder than 32 degrees. Mm-hmm. And most plants will survive at that. Yeah. But once that frozen soil gets down to 20 degrees, that's when you run into problems. Will it, though? If air temperature is cold, yeah. Sure it will. The ice will let that happen. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Just like a piece of steel out there at that point. Okay. It can get that cold. All right. I thought ice was more of an insulator than that. I guess it depends on the duration of that cold temperature, oh, yeah. too. Yeah that's, yeah, that's the other thing. That's why we say if you're going to put them outside in, in uh, pots in the wintertime, use a very big container. Mm-hmm. And make sure it doesn't go dry. As it, it, you'll get a lot more damage in a dry soil than a yeah. moist soil. It gets colder quicker. Dry soil has a lot more air in it, and then the air conducts that cold Well, also, the wa- when the water converts from <coughs> liquid to solid, it releases heat. Yeah, but that happens only once. I know. <laughs> okay. But that might all be all it takes <laughs> to get you through that night. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. And then it'll warm up the next that, day. That's why in some uh, orchards they spray water over them at exactly. night at those temperatures. Mm-hmm. It, it seems counterproductive, but it works. Yeah. Well, let's see. Counterproductive. Speaking <laughs> of which, uh, we're going to have our what we're going to do here today. We're going to do a garden show. Uh, that's where you know it's an answer. It's a you know it's an answer question show. It's actually a question and answer show. And the questions come in from you at the following phone number: three zero three four seven seven twenty four seventy three. As have, who already has called in? Doris is on the line right now, <coughs> waiting to talk to us. Good morning, Doris. Good morning, Keith and Jim. How are you on this beautiful day? Great. Just living the dream. What's going on with you? Well, I'm starting to think about my garden already. Good. And the thing that I have a question about, I've been planting my potatoes for years, And I get some of them that are a couple pounds. I get a whole bunch in the middle area where it's just perfect. And then I get a bunch of little marbles. Now, what can I do to make everything a little more equal? Am I not planting them right, or what's happening? No, you're going to get marbles anyway. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that's just the nature of the beast. Okay, that's okay. I put those in when I make beef stew or something like that. Oh, yes, those are the best. Those are the most they tender are. tender of all of them yeah. yes they are okay i just thought now one year somebody said why don't you try when after you've made made the trough put straw or hay in there and then put the potatoes 
So I tried that one year. It was a lot of extra work, but it didn't really seem to make any difference at all. Exactly. And I'm just wondering whether part of it can be varietal. Well, that's true, too, because I do put some red and some regular baking potatoes. And if I have some of the purple ones, I'll put some of those in, too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And do you see one, one type versus another produces more marbles than the other? You know, not really. Not but really? But the ones okay. that got so huge, they were about two pounds each. Wow. They were just, they were just red potatoes. Uh-huh. You know, I thought maybe the baking potatoes would get that big. But no, these are just regular red potatoes. So one potato is enough for the family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you should realize that when they, they grow these commercially out in fields and they harvest the tomatoes, all those small ones, they get left behind. Oh my! Yep, and oh. over the winter they you know they turn the mush with cold temperatures. Yeah, yeah. See, they they should harvest those and bag them up like they like find in the grocery store. You find these little bags of small, like new potatoes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and exactly. and you pay a premium for those. Yeah, you do. Yep. <laughs> you know when you they're smaller, you pay more money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. those marble sized ones don't keep as long or keep as no, well as the don't. bigger ones. Yeah, we always use those first. Yep. But we're still working on our potatoes from, my God, last summer. Yeah? Which That's is excellent. Great. How do you I store them? them? You know, I just keep them in the cellar. And I just have, I keep them in a box, an open box. And I just leave them in the cellar, and then I go down there and pick whatever I want. Okay, now, d- define cellar. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, see, I always call... Uh, the basement in a house is a cellar. Okay. A basement in a public building or a school is a basement. Yes. Anyway, okay, this is my basement. <laughs> okay, so is this a, a heated or unheated room that you keep them in? It's just a normal open area of the cellar. Oh, okay, so nothing, yeah. you, you haven't adjusted the environment in any way to store no. them. Okay. Nope, not at all, not at all. So it works pretty well. It has all these years. Excellent. Yeah. And do you do you uh, use your leftovers to replant the next year, or do you buy fresh uh, seed potatoes every year? You know, I don't ever buy seed potatoes. I just use my potatoes that have sprouted a little. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yep. And I cut them up and plant them, and they do just great. And when and you cut them up, do you let them sit out for a little while before you plant them to dry off? No, I don't. You I just, just go ahead and plant them, them right away, huh? And stick them in the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and, and when do you do that? Um, usually, well, of course, this year. It seems as if our seasons are shifting a bit. I used to plant everything about the middle of May. Now it just doesn't get warm enough, and the ground is so cold, and I try to hold off now until everything warms up. So just depends on what the weather does, and yeah. it doesn't really seem to warm up until sometime the end of June now. Yeah, yeah. Well, if it so, works for you, I'd say continue doing it. Okay, that's what I'll do. All right. And then, of course, it stays so warm so long, so I still have my garden growing in the end of October. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So we're in a great spot, that's for sure. Well, and good. did you get a little coating of snow last night or yesterday? Yeah, but an inch. A lot of it melted, yeah. uh, but it, you know, sticking on the roads and sidewalks yeah. and that sort of Just thing. Just barely a little bit. I was hoping for a good, good snowfall. 
We certainly need the moisture. We do, indeed. And back east, they're getting so <clears throat> much of it. Yes, they are. Yeah. I, I'm kind of jealous, in yeah, a that, way. That's our snow, by the way. I know. It's all blown out there. Well, well anyway, yeah. you both have a wonderful day. You Enjoy too. Enjoy it. Thanks for your thank call, you. Doris. And thank you for all your answers. Now I feel better. All, all right. right. Thank okay. you. <laughs> Thanks. Bye-bye. Sean, I don't have a mouse in here, so you're going to have to take care of calls. Okay. We have, we, we have a desk here that's got six microphones, six hookups. And a screen in between, and not a single box anywhere. And five golden rings. And five <laughs> golden rings. <laughs> well, at least we got rid of that partridge in a pear tree. Right. It was pooping on everything. I, I know. <laughs> Next time, let's get a trained partridge, okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right. And <laughs> <In> a litter box. <laughs> you know, Doris was saying how she, she uses some of her leftover potatoes that had sprouted. Mm-hmm. Well, if you want to get... If you want to get... Um, hmm, technical about it or whatever you can call that chitting chitting yes i tried that this year <clears throat> yeah it did make a difference in how mm-hmm. quickly they came up yeah um and by trying it what i meant was i, I took my seed potatoes and i set them on a windowsill mm-hmm. a sunny windowsill and let them sprout and let the sprouts get oh half an inch long or so mm-hmm. <clears throat> before i planted them and when they came up pretty them? quickly. I want to say mid-April. What, what, what is this mantra about planting on St. Patty's Day pa- potatoes? Oh, that's just I, foolishness. I, I know. Um, I don't even remember when St. Patrick's Day is. Maybe, maybe middle, It's the middle of March, around the 17th or so. Yeah. That, that does always seem to me, at least around here, many times way too cold. For, especially for potatoes. Yeah. They yes. rot. They they rot quickly in yeah. in cold, wet ground. Yeah, so I I don't recommend it anymore. Uh, but it's you, a great time to look at putting things like peas in, and, yeah, and lettuce and spinach, lettuce in, spinach, radishes, in, yeah. those sorts of things, because they'll ju- they'll sit there, and and be patient, <clears> and <throat> when they're ready, they'll come up. Yep. But not taters. No, I, no, never never was a big fan of. I wonder when they plant them in the San Luis Valley, where they grow lots of potatoes. I don't know. I really don't. Now, I suppose you could take some clear plastic and put it over the bed and, and heat it up um, or put some hoops over it and, and create a little cold frame situation initially to warm up the soil and then to get the potatoes going. But I've always been under the impression that it's important to plant potatoes early because they're day length sensitive and that you want nice big plants by the time you get past June 21st yeah. and the days start to shorten that stimulates the tuber production. Now, I may be way off on that. I think it probably is something to that. But I become, as I get older, become less and less of a fan of making work in the garden. I'm less and less a fan of planting potatoes, period. (laughs) They take up so much room. They do. And they taste just fine from the grocery store, and they're cheap as dirt. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like a buck two ninety eight for fifty yeah. pounds or something. I want to use my <laughs> valuable square footage for something that is <clears throat> going to make a difference. Yeah. You know, in, in the taste um, or the convenience of, of having it fresh from the garden. You know, a few minutes from picking. Yeah. 
It doesn't matter with potatoes. You're right. They do take up space. I haven't planted them for years mm-hmm. because it's a space issue. <laughs> well, my wife insisted that I plant them this last year mm-hmm. in containers. Mm-hmm. Um, I told her I would not plant them in the regular garden because there just isn't enough room. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, do them in pots. I see it on pots all the time on Facebook. People do it all the time. Why can't you do it? I said, well, I can. <laughs> and I did. <coughs> that comes under the heading of extra work. It is. <laughs> it's extra work. It still takes up space. Those pots have yeah. to go somewhere. Yeah, they do. You still have to take care <coughs> of them. And I didn't find that that really produced much in the way of potatoes. I mean, it. Yeah, I've so, done it before, so. and I thought that was a lot of work for cheapers. I'll have to eliminate something in the vegetable garden and plant them if I really want them. Well, I always have to laugh when I see these <coughs> Facebook posts of people planting them in these um, fabric pots or whatever, yeah. potato pots, yeah. you know, f- specifically for potatoes, like a potato can tell. <laughs> really? Hey, speaking of planting things in the pots, oh, now we have to take a break when I was getting the really interesting stuff here. Oh, dear. The most interesting stuff, interesting stuff here uh, is, is callers calling in with their questions. Here's the phone number, 303-477-2473. And while you're doing that, we're going to take a short little break right here on Legends 810. Many of us in Colorado start our spring gardens indoors during the winter months. But instead of using plastic six-packs, choose an eco-friendly alternative with botanical interest recycled paper pots. Made from 100% recycled food-grade paperboard, these paper pots are super simple to use. Just pop them open, fill with soil and seed, and when you're ready to transplant out in your garden, tear the perforated bottom away and place directly in the ground. No root disturbance and no transplant stress. The paper pot biodegrades right in the garden bed for a zero-waste solution to seed starting. They also provide a convenient way to share your seedlings with friends and other gardeners. They come in three sizes, and you can find them at garden centers across the country and online at botanicalinterest.com. It's time to fall in love all over again. Valentine's Day is Monday, February 14th. At Lafayette Florist Gift Shop and Garden Center, we deliver romance. Surprise her at work on Friday and impress her coworkers, or start the weekend off with a special delivery at home for the weekend celebration. We have just the thing to take her breath away. Send beautiful roses and shades of red and pink or a colorful spring mix of garden flowers. It's easy to give a gift of nature. Order online at www.lafayetteflorist.com and see all of our Valentine specials. Call us and speak with one of our floral specialists or stop by. We're open daily. Spread the love. Don't forget a friendly bouquet for Valentine's Day or a special floral hug for your mom and something for him. Choose a masculine floral bouquet or a houseplant for his desk. Guys love flowers too. Lafayette Florist is your one-stop Valentine's Day shop. Add a finishing touch with balloons, plush bears, and gourmet chocolates. We deliver next door and all around the world. Order now to reserve your Valentine's Day flowers. Lafayette Florist Gift Shop and Garden Center, located at 600 South Public Road in the heart of Lafayette. Contact us at 303-665-5555 or www.lafayetteflorist.com and we'll help you express your love. Happiness guaranteed. Call into The Fix-It Show with your questions about your home, Saturday morning at 9.30. 
Specializing in heating and cooling problems, legendary hosts Deborah and Adam bring decades of experience and award-winning expertise to their live, interactive Fix-It show, helping your home weather Colorado's unique climate and temperature swings. You have questions, they have answers. Call into the Fix-It show every Saturday morning from 9.30 to 10.30 on Legends. And we are back taking your phone calls at 303-477-2473. The previous caller and, and, and we were talking about putting things into containers that normally go into vegetable garden. And having said that, one of the things that both Keith and I do um, is put a number of things in containers for the summer. One of which is, actually two of which are, are these elephant ears. Mm-hmm. And I'm beginning to think we've been talking ad infinitum about these. <laughs> We're hoping that everybody starts growing these. But anyway, I got this catalog from uh, Brett and Becky. Oh, yeah. And they have a uh, a selection. They have six alocasias. That's one of the elephant ear groups. And nine colocasias. And it's really small plants. These are tissue cultured. Yeah, so they'll be like in a three or four inch pot. Oh, if that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking about getting a whole bunch of them. After last fall, negating on it. Like, what am I going to do with these? I don't have the room for them. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, but you just you just make them go dormant. You could probably put them in yeah. your garage for the winter. Uh, it gets too cold. It does, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It can fr- it can fr- oh, well, it's freezing in there. Oh. And they don't right. like freezing temperatures no, they at don't. all. Not even close to freezing temperatures that no. they don't like. Mm-mm. So they go in the cellar, and it's really not that – our cellar is not that – sorry, basement is not that cold. <laughs> So they continue You're growing. You're in Colorado now. <laughs> they continue growing throughout the winter. They have to get on and keep chopping off the new growth. I do too. Which is etiolated and yellow. and I don't water them either. No. And that slows them down a lot. Yeah, it does. But your giant, stupid, giant canna that you gave me <laughs> has decided it wants to grow now. Yeah, of course. No. Yeah, mine's <laughs> been growing all winter. You don't get to grow. <laughs> I don't want I don't want that yet. Yeah. I'm going to put some of those in the ground next next uh-huh. summer. Yeah. Someplace and see how well they do. Up against or just No, I cuz I'm not going to save those. Oh, I see. Over the winter. Okay. And just see what they do in the ground. I'm not sure I can keep it wet enough. Ooh, good point. Cuz they really like water. Yeah. You can take a whole pot of a cola cages anyway and drop the pot in water, up, you know, halfway up up the pot. That's how I grow them in the basement. Yeah. Uh, maybe not halfway up the pot, but I keep I keep them in big uh, buckets, those galvanized mm-hmm. bucket things. Um, and I, I keep three or four inches of water in the bottom all the time when I'm growing those in the basement, and, and they love it. Mm-hmm. And I've seen people grow them as a water plant in their pond. Yes. Same with cannas. Cannas, can any yeah. kind of canna, yeah. not just water cannas, because there are there's a <coughs> special group of things called water cannas. Yeah, I think you can grow all of them but there. Any of the cannas, yeah. you can do that way. And the perennial hibiscus, you can do that too. too. Mm-hmm. All of them. Yeah. Strange. I I didn't realize that until I did some reading, thinking these things all are native to wet areas. Oh yeah. And we've been able to take them out of there and breed them and grow them in an ordinary garden. So they're quite adaptable. I was watching a show the other day of um, some gardens in the in Croatia, of all places. What a beautiful place! I didn't realize how beautiful that area no, is. No. And he had a, a garden um, up on a hilltop 
that he had put together. And it was all cactus and succulents, a lot like Jim Bishop's place. Mm -hmm. But in one area, he had a swimming pool. And then along the side of the swimming pool, it was just <coughs> filled with cannas. And they were growing lush and beautiful. And, and the host was asking the, the owner of it, I said, how do you, do you have a good supply of water? And he said, no, we have to truck it in. Oh, my goodness. And he said, well, how do you, how do you justify these cannas? Yeah. He goes, well, that they're there in a very specific reason is when the kids jump in the pool, that's the splash zone. And that is enough. Oh, I see. <clears throat> Even though it's probably chlorinated water. Yeah, they don't seem to mind. Hmm. Hmm. So you, you, you learn to adapt. I, I guess. <laughs> uh, so his, his, his container, if you will, had to be waterproof. It, well, it was in the ground. Yeah. He was, they were planted in the ground. That's pretty easy to do these days with, uh, I want to say, rubber film, but none yeah. of it's rubber anymore. It's butyl or some other kind of material. Sure, sure. Pond liner material. Uh-huh. Yeah. You can create a, an artificial bog mm -hmm. by doing that. And you can grow a lot of things that like it wet. By, by just digging a hole, lining it with plastic or yep. pond liner, and then filling it with soil, and just letting it get boggy. Boggy, yeah. And, and, <coughs> and breeding ground for mosquitoes. You know, if they're standing water. Yeah. But if you mound it a little bit, then the only boggy part is from the liner level down. And it doesn't have standing water on the mounded oh, part. Okay. So I'm gonna try to grow skunk cabbage. Oh, that would be nice. It should be hardy here. You should be able to grow several species of it. Yeah, I would think. Well, the flowers are amazing, yeah. and then the foliage is gorgeous. Yeah, it is. And it really is only stinky if you mess with it. Yeah. So I'm gonna try it. It's one of those flowers that heats up when it. Blooms. Yes. Yeah, it, it'll cool. melt the snow above it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should plant lots of those. <laughs> yeah, you should. Heat your whole yard with yeah. skunk cabbage. <laughs> Surround the patio with them. <laughs> Heat it up in the winter time. Right, right. All right, we've got Jackie on the line out. Littleton wants to talk to us this morning. Good morning, Jackie. Good morning, guys. What's I going on? Well, I have two brose begonias that I brought in because I didn't want them to freeze, and mm -hmm. they bloomed in the house, and... They're still alive. One is not, doesn't have very many leaves left, but one has quite a few. How do I preserve those uh, bulbs into next spring? What kind of begonias? Tuberous begonias. Oh, they're tuberous. Oh, yeah. those are typically dug and dried in the fall. Well, she's got them in the house. Yeah. And well, they're in the house. And they're yeah. still kind of green. So well, one has quite a bit of foliage. It uh -huh. just isn't blooming very anymore because yeah. it's, it, it isn't. I but think it's, it's time to rejuvenate. Right. So how do I save them for next spring? I would suggest stop watering them and cut the foliage back. Okay. And then about the 1st of March, bring them back into the light and start watering again. You don't have to take them out of the pots. Just leave them in the pots. Oh, I don't. Oh, that—that's a big help. Yeah, you can just All leave right. them in the pots, unless the pot, unless you feel like they need a bigger pot. No, I think the pots are fine. One is one of those hanging baskets, you know. Okay, sure. So just leave them, and uh, 
and oh, and wow. cut them back and stop watering them. Let them go okay. dormant for a while, and then about the first of March, bring them into a nice sunny window and start watering again. Well, that sounds easy. Okay. I mean, not to have to take them out and wash them and. No, no, you don't have to do that. I, I think I would leave them in the pots that they're in. Yeah, and yeah. then, then yeah, when they start growing, then you can decide whether or not they need to be up in a bigger pot. That's super. All right, that that makes sound very easy. Okay, great. Because I didn't really know. I've never done this before. So. And you can do this now in the fall. Just let them, just let them dry down. Cut the cut most of the foliage off. Okay. And let yeah. the whole thing dry. Don't don't try to keep them alive over the winter. They make it lousy houseplants, yeah, as you're finding good. out. Um, well, well, they they were blooming until recently. Oh, is that right? Yeah, one well, of that's them was cool. Full of full of blossoms. So as as it, you know, if, if a blossom died off, I just yeah. mm-hmm. picked yeah. it off. But they were in good shape. And as I say, one plant has quite a quite a lot of fold, foliage on it. So I should just cut that foliage off, or just let it dry out and. You could let it dry down, but uh, most places, most people, I think, would just cut the cut the plant off completely. All right, I in, will in do the, that in the fall and let it dry down. Yeah, sure, sure. And then well, when I'll you try it, it, it's, when, it's worth when it. You, when you do start when you do start to grow them again, don't forget that once you once they start to put on some foliage, you need to start fertilizing them. Okay, good idea. Well, yeah. that, that's there's easy. Not going to be much nutrient value in that potting soil at this point, sure. so you'll need sure. to supply everything that plant needs to grow healthy. Okay. Well, it's worth it. I mean, <laughs> the investment is is already there, so it's exactly. And every cost. year they'll just get bigger and better. Wow. All right. Well, I'll let you know how it goes. Okay, Jackie. Thanks for All calling. Right. Thanks, guys. Bye bye. Bye. Yeah, I, I mean, Jim and I do that with our cannas, uh, with our elephant ears. <laughs> We'll leave them in the pots. You don't have to dig them out of the pots. Yeah, I used to dig them. them out of the pots and I store did too. them. I thought, hmm, think about this a minute. Yeah. You're doing the same thing by doing that than you would just leaving it in the pot. Mm-hmm. So just leave it in there. Now, the next spring, I'll probably take them out of the pot and bust them up and, you know, separate them. And when well, they get crowded, yes. Yeah, and they are crowded. <laughs> <laughs> the sides of the pots are bulging. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially with the elephant ears, um, yeah, with cannas, the the root system will all die off uh, yeah. while you're storing them. Yeah. But I I'm I have found with the elephant ears, the root system remains. Yes. So you don't have to regrow a whole root system the next year. Yeah. You can start from where you left <coughs> off essentially, and that that really gives the plant a boost. Oh, it sure does. Unless you're going to break them up into take all the pups out of them. Well, and I you know have that they they create that long, thick, almost trunk like mm-hmm. growth on them. When, and once they get about a foot and a half or two feet long, I chop them up into pieces and plant each piece separately. Yep. And they root in, and then they produce multiple heads from each one of those stumps, which I think is cool. But you have to keep in mind, you want to make sure that the, you have the right side up. <laughs> yeah, they don't grow when you grow them upside down. And they don't like that, no. no. But uh, keep the right side up, pot them, leave a, leave a little bit of that stump above ground. Uh, so maybe half above ground, half below ground, and it'll root in, and it'll send up three, sometimes five new growths from around that stump. It's amazing. Yeah. It, it, yep. That's how they make new plants. And pretty soon you'll end up with 4,700 plants, and you <laughs> don't know what to do with them. <laughs> Cover your entire neighborhood. Start giving them away. Exactly. There are only a few things you can plant upside down that'll grow. 
And the oh, one yeah? that comes to mind are willow sticks. Really? Yeah. You can, you know, willow, you can just put them in a glass of water and they'll root and take off and start growing. But you can turn them upside down and they'll, they'll root out from the other end. No kidding. Oh, yeah. I know a lot of, most bulbs you can plant upside down. No. And sideways. And they'll still come up correctly. But I don't consider that elephant ear a bulb. It's a stem. Yeah, that's true. Is there a tuber below that? No. Not the one I grow. It hmm. just produces that woody stem. I, I, I don't even call it woody. It's no. a fleshy stem. Yeah, it's very it's hard fleshy. But hard yeah. fleshy, yes. Yeah. But some of them do produce a tuber or a large bulb mm-hmm. type mm-hmm. structure. The ones I grow don't. That would be um, the Colocasia esculenta, which is taro. Okay. And it's the root of that. They call it the root, but it's actually the tuber okay. that they cut up and make poi. So what know. I'm probably growing is alocasias then. Probably. Probably. Yeah. Whatever. I still don't have enough experience <laughs> with them, so I, I, yeah. I, you know, I'm not an expert by any means. I ran across a Facebook post from Etsy mm-hmm. of a company that specializes in those things. Yes. And they showed a picture of a plant that must have been eight feet tall. It had a half a dozen more, more leaves that were enormous in what looked like a 12-inch pot. And I'm thinking, how did you do that? Lots of water. <laughs> they had to be standing in water. Yeah. Oh, alocasias. I don't know that they prefer having their bottoms in water. I see that with colocasias. It's recommended. I can never keep the two straight. I really can't. You look at the label. <laughs> okay. Uh, that helps. That helps a lot, Jim. <laughs> I do want to have one at home. It's, it won't die. It's on the back porch, and they haven't watered it since I brought it in. Yeah. <clears throat> and it looks as healthy today as when I brought it in. Hmm. And one of them doesn't have a label on it. At least I can't find it. And I'm trying to figure out, is that an alocasia or colocasia? I don't really know. I'm suspecting it's an alocasia, but I don't know. There's got to be a way to tell. There should be. I, I'm not sure the leaf position. <laughs> tried to figure that part out. It doesn't make a lot of sense. If you look at enough pictures of both. Well, the one I grow, the, the leaves always, the, the tip of the leaf always points up. Yeah. Like a big fan. And, and then what I consider to be elephant ears, the leaf points down. So mm, I'll have to send you a picture of mine and you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> that the outer leaves, once they start you know, getting of age and start wilting a bit, they start pointing down. Okay. That All confuses right. things. Well, the phone number here is 303-477-2473. If you have some garden questions for us, it's time to get started planning your garden. I know that I'm getting catalogs in the mail. Like oh, you yeah. said, I got Brent and Becky's. I'm going to get one from Bluestone and a number of other places. Uh, looking forward to. Have you started seeding anything yet, Jim? Oh, yeah. Planted, seeded a bunch of things out in October, early November. They're outside. Mm-hmm. Perennials, apparently. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> and you do that. You do that in October, and you do it outside because because um, some seeds need to go through a process called stratification, whereby the seed is both moist and cool. Not necessarily cold, as in freezing, but cool. 
Uh, and if I put them outside over the winter, they'll get that. They'll get freezing too. Now, but that they'll get freezing. Hurt. And that's fine. It, you know that doesn't count towards the what they need. But uh, they start thawing. Uh, well, they stay cool a long time in the fall before they freeze, mm-hmm. and then they start thawing, uh, and then we're back into those temperatures that they require, which is somewhere between 34 above freezing and 40 degrees. That's a pretty narrow range. It is, but uh, they get it outside. Yeah. And, and then they germinate. And you stack snow on top of them, too, uh, don't you? Yes. If we get any. If we, Yeah. We haven't gotten enough for me to shovel snow on top. But if I do that, and they have to stay moist, by the way, mm. outside. And that's, that's a trick. Uh, but if you get snow, just pile snow on there. Lots and lots. More the merrier. Mm-hmm. And that way they will ensure that they stay moist through the winter. And so sometimes you see instructions where they say just put the seed packet in the refrigerator. Doesn't work. That's not stratification because no. it's got to be cold and, and moist. moist. Yep. Simultaneously yes. at the same time. And I see and I see lots of people use the term cold stratification. <laughs> which That's is redundant. redundant. <laughs> yes. Stratification <laughs> means cool and moist. That's the definition. And by saying cold stratification, you're you know you're saying cold cool and moist you know, why there's bother? no such thing as hot stratification there is no warm stratification there is no cold or uh, dry stratification and there's a bunch of variations on that that people use all of which are wrong so it's there you just have it. stratification that's a term it was um coined if you will in germany really back in the 14 i think I mean, that was 1600s wow was when they finally determined what what some certain seeds require mm-hmm Amazing. Yeah. All the way back then, they were paying attention to this. Yes. Stuff. Yes. And back then, they would have these barrels that they would stratify, which means layer seeds between layers of moist sand. Okay. And leave them outside over the winter. Mm-hmm. Now, in Germany, it doesn't get, most places in Germany, it doesn't get as cold as it gets here. So it was perfect for them. Absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. And come, uh, and they, and they knew how long the seeds had to remain in there. And come spring, they dump the barrel out and plant all the seeds, and they're ready to go. That just makes too much sense. <laughs> yeah, too low-tech. I know. <laughs> but it's amazing they fig- figured that out, mm-hmm. that some seeds require this, and others not. Well, I, and recently I posted on our Facebook page, Something I did a number of years ago and posted, and then it came back in my memory post. So I thought it was worth reposting this on our Facebook page. Uh, the difference between sprouting seeds without a heat mat or propagation mat mm-hmm, versus mm-hmm. one with a propagation <coughs> mat. Mm-hmm. And I had the two pots side by side in the picture, and you could see the actual difference that it made with and without. Oh, of course. And it was enormous. Yep. So if you wanted to see something like that, go to our Facebook page and you can take a look at that. So you might want to go out and get a propagate, what they call propagation mat. Or germination mat. Germination mat, one. yeah. It's just a, they're better now than they used to be in the oh past. Oh, Lord, yes. You don't have to deal with all those cables. Oh, God. And bury them in sand or something. Yeah, and then have to have a thermostat. <laughs> Yeah. And then hope you didn't get shocked. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> I can't tell you how many times I was shocked. Oh, yeah. <laughs> digging around in a 
germination Absol- bed. And you never fixed it. Well, Lord, you no. were just careful next time. Yeah. <laughs> you use tools. <laughs> I have one of those. I just remembered I have one, and it's been in the garage for a couple of years now, so I have to dig that back out. But now they're just a, a, a basically a, a plastic sheet, almost plastic a rectangular, with the, yeah. with the with the cables embedded in yep. the sheet itself, so that yep. they're not exposed yep. to you or your fingers. And a built-in thermostat. Built-in thermostat, so you don't have to worry about that. And it usually is set for 70 degrees. Exactly. Uh, and I use it for more than germination. I use it for cuttings. Yep. I use it for some plants during the winter. The, uh, all my grow stuff is in the basement. And I don't really heat the basement too much. There's no reason to except where the plants are. Yep. And most plants are fine with that. But some plants, like African violets, Rex begonias... A few other warm, loving plants. Um, I will have the, the germination mat underneath them mm-hmm. in the wintertime to give them a little extra warmth to their root system. And they seem to they'll like yeah. that. Would you come over to my garage and, and find my, my mat? I'll just give you one. <laughs> it would be cheaper and easier. <laughs> Much easier. But they have them at the garden centers. You shouldn't have any problems finding those. I don't know that you'll find them at a big box store. No. But garden centers will have them in their seed starting area, and they come in different sizes. Mm -hmm. Some are quite narrow and long to fit on windowsills. Others are more like the size of a a bedding plant flat, which are nice to use. And uh, you can even get large ones that are the size of a tabletop if you have a large area. Yes. uh, Greenhouses, uh, if they do a lot of this kind of work, will often have them to fit. fit over the entire bench mm-hmm. so they're quite large and they're efficient uh, uh, electro electrically efficient yeah. like jim said they they'll heat to about 70 72 degrees that general area and then stop they won't continue to make it warmer and warmer and that's why you should never use a heating mat that's designed for human use no that's not a good idea that gets way too hot and it's not waterproof and you can hurt yourself. You can burn yourself. <laughs> and it's not made, yes, and you're right, not waterproof. Right, right. there, that's, that's enough. Mm-hmm. All right, we have to take a little bit of break, and uh, we'll wait for your phone call. We're going to wait here for another, you know, another hour or more. And here's the way to get in, 303-477-2473. That's our phone number. And our station number is Legends 810. Plants in general are good for the soul, and many studies show people are healthier and happier when surrounded by plants. You will find a nice selection of house plants and some great pots to add interest to your decor at Jared's Nursery and Garden Center. House plants not only add beauty to your living space, they make it healthier by removing toxins and pollutants from the air in your home. Spider plants, philodendron, dracaena, and peace lilies are just some of the common plants that can be great air purifiers. If you're having trouble with existing plants, the staff at Jared's can help you determine the problem and recommend a solution. Maybe the only good thing about COVID is that it resulted in many new gardeners. Jared's has a great selection of seeds, including heirloom and many unusual varieties of flowers and vegetables, tomatoes, peppers, sunflowers, zinnias, and others. Check out their website, jaredsgarden.com, for classes beginning February 5th to help as you plan for spring. Jared's Nursery and Garden Center is located on West Bulls Avenue between Kipling and Sims. Winter hours are 9 to 5, 7 days a week. They thank you for your support in 2021 and look forward to serving you in 2022. 
Advertise your product or service with the Garden Wise Guys, the most listened to radio gardening show in Colorado since 1994. Radio talk show hosts Keith Funk and Jim Borland are dedicated to supporting and promoting independent businesses and the products and services you sell. The reason for their success is they help their advertisers. This is a destination show every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m., simulcasting on both a.m. and f.m. People are gardening in larger numbers than ever, and radio advertising is timely, adaptable, targeted, and affordable. Listeners can catch the show at home, in the car, at work, and at play. On the radio, computer, or mobile device, the radio is there. Today's competitive marketplace demands an active medium, and that's radio, capable of stirring emotion, creating demand, and selling your product or service. Contact the Garden Wise Guys now. Email thegardenwiseguys at gmail.com. Thegardenwiseguys at gmail.com. All right, we are back, and I don't even want to tell you what we were talking about over the over the break here, but we'd rather talk to you about your plant-related items, whatever that might be, outdoors, indoors. We don't care. We'll handle it all. Did you make a trip someplace and, and you saw some plants that, boy, you want to know what they are or, or um, how to grow them here? Uh, we'll take a stab at it. What the heck? Why not? Yeah, really. But don't wait till the end of this, the next hour, because in, everybody calls in in the last 15 minutes of the show, and we can't get to everybody. No, so we can't. Call in earlier. And, we, and then we have to be short with people. You don't want us to be short. No. That's <laughs> never pleasant. No. Speaking of plants that uh, I want to grow. Yeah. I want to grow a choisia. And I can't find any hardy ones for this area. Would you find one for me? <laughs> No, but I can find a lot of plants that aren't hardy for this area that I'd like to grow <laughs> outdoors year-round. It blooms in the spring and again in the fall, and it's fragrant, and it makes a nice little shrub. Yeah. And I don't... Well, they're pretty. No doubt yeah. about that. I want one. I want to grow some of these tree form... Now I forget the name of them. Darn. <clears throat> and South American plants. High, alt- high altitude. Um, they're, <laughs> I'm sure you've seen them. There's a whole section of the mountain that people travel through to get to the top of the mountain. They go through these. Lobelias? Lobelias, yes. Thank you. Okay. I want to grow some of those in the front yard. Sure. I, I, and I'm wondering Good luck if, with that. I'm wondering if any of those are hardy. I mean, they grow high elevation. They get snowed on. Yeah. That doesn't mean they're hardy here, but. Right. Same thing applies to one or two species of eucalyptus that grow in what is considered to be high elevations in Australia. And there's no high elevation in Australia. (laughs) Not that high. No, not that high. But high enough that they can ski and high enough um, that they grow in snow country. Mm -hmm. And I think if they're protected well enough here, you can grow them outside here. Really? Yeah. There's one called a snow eucalyptus. Okay. I think it's eucalyptus snowy eye or something like okay. that. I think that's the name of it. Or Nivea. That would make they sense. They have like 150 species of eucalyptus. They can be weedy. Not here. Well. No. They are in California. Yeah. And they're a fire hazard. They California. are. They're, they're full of, of eucalyptus oil, don't you know? Volatile yeah, oils. Volatile, yeah. That's what makes them smell so good. Oh, and the honey from them <gasps> yeah. is to die for. Oh, it's great. Well, our friend in California, Jim, mm-hmm. is p- 
posting pictures of his grevilleas that are blooming now. Yes, and I, I wanted to. F- I couldn't remember the common name for grevillea last week. It's silk oak. Silk oak is one name. Yeah, yeah. and sometimes you'll find them at garden centers here as yeah. a houseplant. Yeah, houseplant. Yeah, they make a lot of houseplants. Do they? In my opinion, yeah. Okay, Podocarpus is probably better yeah. and looks similar. But uh, I'm I'm about to to answer or comment on one of. Jim Bishop's uh, postings on Facebook. Oh, yeah? Like, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I heard you did that with a grad student you used to know here in Colorado. He moved to Minnesota, Wisconsin uh, with his partner, and uh, they decided after all these years, both retired, to move to Portugal. Mm-hmm. And bought this place. At, it's a big place. Swimming pool. Lemon trees, lime Movie trees, stars. grape, grapes, olive trees in their backyard. Yeah, for, for, for a song. Sure, unbelievable. And I already posted them and said, "I hate you." Yeah, it's it's one of those places my wife and I have been looking at. They have a a very thriving expat community. I don't think there. this is expat though. I have really? to ask about that, but I don't think so. Hmm. Of course, one of the partners speaks Portuguese. Well, I should that say helps. expat population. Yeah, so not community, but population yeah. because of the cost of living is yeah. so low yeah you get a lot for your money and when you're retired and you're on a you know i'm using air quotes here fixed income yeah that that's important lots of places in mexico are expat and mm-hmm. because of cost of living and of course great weather <laughs> <laughs> well i was looking at um croatia as i mentioned earlier but there you have to have permission from the government to buy anything uh, as far as property. Mm-hmm. I don't know the status of por- in Portugal, but that's the case, I think, a lot of places. Mm. You need permission. And, God, the hoops they had to f- jump through. Oh, I oh can only my imagine. God. Paperwork involved. Unbelievable. Huh. But they waded through all Wait, of What that. else are they doing, right? Yeah, really. All right, let's get back out to the phones. We've got Craig waiting to talk to us right now. Good morning, Craig. Morning, gentlemen. What's going on? Well, I, I heard you uh, talking about the begonias uh, that are in pots that are indoors. I still have a few begonias in pots outdoors. And I, I was wondering what I could do to help preserve them for this season coming nothing. up. I, I think nothing. You got a compost pile? They can't take, <laughs> they can't take frost, let, let, let alone long-term freezing weather. Okay, too late then. Yeah, yeah. they're... they're as we call one in the industry, toast. <laughs> Mushy toast. Gotcha. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking I won't put butter on them then and eat them. No, okay. no, <laughs> no. Okay. It's too All late right. to just too late to try to save them this time of year. Okay, appreciate it, guys. Sure thing. Thanks for calling, Craig. You bet. Bye bye. Bye. Speaking of putting butter on something and eating it, you can do that now with your outdoor ice plants what you can eat them ice plant yep no mm-hmm. <laughs> yes no you, no you can't eat my ice plant <laughs> just think of the garnishes with all the different color flower colors <laughs> they're not blooming um a good friend of ours um kelly grummans yeah posted a, a picture on facebook his ice plants, fire spinner in particular, uh-huh. is blooming in this greenhouse. 
Oh, in the greenhouse. Yeah, the greenhouse. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. But they're alive, still outdoors, mm-hmm. green, <clears throat> even though they may be frozen. I like the way they look in the winter because they turn different colors. Yeah. The foliage has is is definitely a different shade of green into purple. Yeah, purple. Some of them red, red, yeah. red, red. Right. Makes so there's very interest. That's called year-round interest. Mm-hmm. And now they have ice plants that bloom all summer long. Yes, those are nice. First ones didn't, but the newer ones, some of the newer ones do. Let's see. I was down in the basement the other day doing some propagation. Uh, speaking of begonias, I, I have some what are what I call cane type begonias. Mm-hmm. They don't grow from a tuber. <coughs> Or a bulb or anything. They're just, <coughs> they produce these tall canes mm-hmm. uh, with big, beautiful, gorgeous leaves. And in the fall, when I bring them in, I cut them to the ground. I mean, there's not a leaf left on them. Yep. And, and now they're about a foot and a half going on to two feet tall. And so it's perfect for cutting material. Mm-hmm. And I went through and I made at least a dozen cuttings off of those things. And using four-inch pots, just regular potting soil, I cut the leaves. I cut it back so that the, the cutting is about eight inches long, has maybe two leaves, one full-size and one fairly yeah. new. And the full-size leaf I'll cut in half yeah. just to reduce the surface area. And then I'll put two cuttings in a pot. And more than likely, they will both root. They seem to root very quickly at a node normally mm-hmm. and I'll leave them in that pot until they fill it with roots and then I'll just move them on but they make great additions to a shady outdoor oh, yeah. mixed pot of annuals with you know impatience mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. caladiums and coleus and things like that uh, I don't expect them to bloom I grow them for their foliage color yeah and the one I grow I don't even know the name of it I got it years ago from Welby uh, has flecks of purple and silver and just all sorts of great colors in the leaves. And the, the sun hits it just right. It's iridescent. Mm-hmm. Speaking of things filling up shady areas, I'd like to get some seed of some p- impatience, some of the tropical impatience. Mm-hmm. Some of them could be kind of tall and lanky, but flowers are gorgeous. I grew some when I was still at the Lakewood house. And it started to recede into the yard, and that sort of scared me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I had one that bicolor was the name of it. Was that? And uh, it had two distinctly different colors in the, in the flowers. and Very, very pretty. And they receded, and I'd lost them. I don't, none of them have come back since. But they would come up year, year after year. Mm-hmm. But having since now, and Facebook and seeing other ones that are out there, the problem is yeah. getting seed of them. There are so many really cool plants out there oh, yeah. that w- just aren't available to no. us. And I'd like to see, I'd like to know why. I demand answers. <laughs> Maybe we'll get this after the top of the hour. And by the way, the music indicates we have finished up one hour. And um, next hour, people, we expect you to call in droves. 303-477-2473. And uh, we're going to sit here and wait. Not very long, though. Right here on Legends 810.